Greetings and salutations. Hi. I'm Josh Belcher. Get the super sauce. I'll change into my super suit. <laughs> this is Uncharted. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, shapes, sorts, and sizes. This is Josh Belcher, host of the Uncharted Podcast. Now, I'm not going to be uh, gumming a lot right now because I'm not in current time. I'm back to the future, if you will. A reason being is because this podcast will air. I'll be enduring my first week of total shoulder replacement. So uh, the only thing that would be current is that I'm probably in a lot of pain right now. Uh, trying to get adjusted to my arm in a sling and that they took my shoulder out and gave me a bionic shoulder so that's what i'm going through right now but in the meantime you guys are important to me the podcast is important to me and i have some really awesome guests for you to enjoy We've got stand-up comedian lee harden singer songwriter morgan wade on this week's podcast very interesting they both contributed a lot i learned from both of them it was a fantastic time so without further ado, let's enjoy this podcast. Thank you once again for listening. This is Uncharted. Here we go. This phenomenal human being, stand-up comedian Lee Harden, has a stand-up routine that you can download and enjoy on Spotify. We talk about all that and more next on the Uncharted podcast. You know, thanks for taking the time. Um, I've been a fan. I, yeah, I was uh, introduced to you through Brandon Skelton, my friend and uh, boss yeah. at Planet Fitness. Oh, you work at <laughs> Planet Fitness too? Uh, I do, yes. Uh, me Dang. and Brandon are the two uh, heavyweights that work there, which is uh, truly shows we're a judgment-free zone. So Yeah, well, that's where you can, you can judge behind the desk. I mean, quietly to yeah. yourself. No one's going to know. That's it. Yeah, we just have to keep it internal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's funny. Yeah, actually, I, you know, with covid and comedy not being consistent i had to buckle down and get a steadier gig which was plan of fitness so i'm i'm at the one here in murfreesboro nice oh so you work with diana yeah yeah i'm overnight though so i i don't i don't see too many people i'm kind of yeah i'm kind of like a ghost at, at plan of fitness I, I, i've done the overnight and it's uh it's an interesting gig, and uh, you know, you never know what you're going to get. Literally, when you do that, it's like pawn stores. You really know at night what's going to come through the door. That's 100. I've, uh, I've, I never thought I'd have to wake up grown adults, but they will, uh, they'll fall asleep in the hydro chair, and <laughs> exactly. and it's like, hey man, you can't sleep here. I wasn't sleeping. I'm like, I don't want to argue with a grown man if he was sleeping or not. This isn't, this isn't what I wanted to. Like, come on. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, that's what I do. I don't argue with them. I'm like, all right, just, you know, just, you can't stay here, though. I'm sorry, man. So, yeah, you don't have yeah. to go home. You just don't have to hang out back here. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, you're it's right. It's, yeah. For sure. It's, uh, it's easy, though. I mean, I can, uh, bring stuff with me. I can, uh, you know, I got really into guitar last year. So I, uh, yeah, take my guitar with me when I have some, when I have downtime and they're cool with that. So, yeah, I, I saw that, and, you know, being a musician, I'm a novice musician, and um, I, I did play drums. I'm playing bass now, but I was watching you. You know, you, you've got some great chops, and then uh, I actually Thanks. know the drum part to the King of the Hill thing, and while you're playing it, I was just like, man, I wish, you know, because I, like, I, it took me forever to get the part right where he's hitting the triangle while he's drumming, but I've yeah. got to that. 
Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, we totally need to play that. I'm a big country rockabilly kind of guy, and it's hard to find people that play uh, that that play that stuff. So, yeah, I just get in where I fit in. Uh, like yeah. I said, I play drums forever. Um, Tuesday on Groundhog's Day, I'm having total shoulder replacement. I hope I don't wow. end up like Bill Murray, but. Uh, after no, that, I think no. I'm, I'm heading over more towards the bass. Uh, you know, okay. I'm, I'm a rhythm section guy, but uh, yeah, drums was my my first love, and uh, you know, I, and because of it, you know, I'm, I've I've got plenty of rhythm, so I think uh, that's good. Yeah, way to, yeah, that's awesome, dude. If you, if you get an upright bass, uh, let me know. I'll be your best friend. So I would you, love to have an upright bass. I, I've, I've I've hit a couple of them. Unfortunately, it's a lot more cost effective to get an electric, yeah, <laughs> yeah, than a, yep. a stand up or a doghouse. But yeah, I would love to have one. Yeah, and you got to haul that thing around too. So I get why people don't play them. They're yeah, they're so hard to find. Like people that play upright bass and that like that old school sound, that rockabilly country sound. It's hard to find guys that that play that. Um, most guys that have an upright bass are jazz guys, and you know, like strictly jazz. So yeah, just trying to do, uh, bluegrass guys do a lot of upright bass. That's true. Yeah, absolutely. And- yeah, and then um, uh, it's cool. You like rockabilly? A few years back, I got to go to a rockabilly show at the Nashville Palace. Cool. Got to see a bunch of old, awesome cats who are now deceased, unfortunately. <laughs> but oh, at least you got to the, see them. I got to see Sleepy LaBeef. Have you ever heard of him? I haven't. Oh man, uh, get, get, check him out. He uh, he tears it up. He shreds. Got to see W.S. Fluke Holland. He was Johnny Cash's only drummer ever. Oh, okay. Um, played some rockabilly, killed it. Did a lot of Sun Records stuff. Uh, I had the guy that played guitar uh, with Carl Perkins there towards the end. Uh, he, cool. he did a little, little ditty. It was just, it was real fun. But like I said, a couple of them cats are, are are no longer with us, but fun experience. So that's awesome, man. Yeah, I've yeah. I haven't got to see too many of those guys. Like Setzer's my, you know, that's my favorite guy ever, and he comes to Nashville every year for a Christmas concert, and I I want to see him. Hopefully, they come back this year. Um, I haven't gotten to see him, so that's that's the dream. And he's a super nice guy if you ever get to meet him. Oh, okay. Have you met him? I met him, and I met the, the phantom. They did a little uh, about, oh gosh, I guess last year at this time, James Burton does a James Burton and Friends. That's Elvis's guitar yeah. guy. And he had he had, a, he had two of the three Stray Cats um, and uh, got, got to speak with them a little bit. It was so overwhelming because while I was talking to them, um uh gosh david letterman's uh guy walked by uh my mind's drawn a blank paul schaefer paul schaefer whoa yeah although he was the keyboard guy yeah he he was there i mean it, they just do like an all-star tribute and it's all for charity and then um and i look behind me and like mickey dolan's of the monkeys is there wow <laughs> oh man that's funny i i had a buddy who um we did some we helped out with uh with the youth group and he he had an interesting taste in music, as in that was his favorite band of all time was the Monkees, not, <laughs> yeah. not, not, not the Beatles, um, but the Monkees. Like he, that was his all-time favorite band. Um, knew everything about him. I, I, I think he met, he may have met that guy, Mickey or Mike. Um, yeah, I, I just was always like, wow. Like, I don't know how much you are involved in the Christian world, but did you ever hear of a band called the Apologetics? I didn't, but I'm going to look them up now. That you okay, said I'm they, it down right now. All right, they are a Christian Weird Al. That's the best. Like, <laughs> so they'll take they're they're they'll take popular songs, but 
you know, making parodies and usually have a some sort of biblical reference with them. Not all songs, but they're they're in the Christian market and they're called the Apologetics. And that was that was uh, Chad's second favorite band. So he liked the Monkees, and he liked the Christian version of Weird Al. So right on. Hey, it was no, great. No, no shame in that game. One of my favorite hard rock acts is Seventh Day Slumber. If you've ever heard of them, out of yeah. Man, yeah, oh, I saw man, them. God, I saw them at a skate park, like, uh, gee, yeah, probably in high school. There was a there was a band they opened up with uh, or opened up for called the Roosevelts, and they were at one point on the same Nashville label. It was a really small label, but they were, uh, yeah, but yeah, Seventh Day Slumber. They did they did really well for themselves. Yeah, they're still rock and roll, still doing their thing. Now they have their own record label and like artist management group. I mean, they just keep keep reinventing the wheel. So good for them. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I know the guy. The main guy has a crazy story about addiction and all that. So, did you know? Also, if you dig really deep on YouTube, he's done a couple of MMA fights. Has he? Yes, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it's like he'll he'll pray with you in one hand and then like knock your lights out with the other. Right. <laughs> Uh, that's but, uh, i love yeah like evander holyfield was big on that too he was a big believer and it's like you just you just beat the crap out of that guy and you're thanking god okay that's <laughs> yeah uh they said george foreman will do that the same thing he'll put those like thor hammer fists to you and then then pray over you when he's done i, I don't that's get it but you know hilarious um <laughs> there's a comedian actually I did, this youtube channel i'm experimenting with called underrated where i I talk about things that I think should get a little more attention, like comedians or whatnot. There's one comedian named Margaret Smith, and she was she was great. She still is great. Um, but she had a joke about Foreman boxing in his forties. Uh, she was like, "He's yeah. boxing in his forty, like when he's forty nine. Like, you know, you you know when you sock him in the gut, he pees a little. Like, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that just made me think of that. But uh, dang, dude." Seventh day yeah. slumber. Wow. Seventh day slumber, trying to put guys in slumber. I don't, I don't know if he does it anymore, but the um, the last time I had dealings with them, um, they actually, um, I did a show for a charity event here in Columbia, Tennessee, and um, they, I asked them to perform. They said no problem. They, they did it for free. Gave all the money to charity. All they needed was like a place to perform, which is we had a nice rig for them to play on. And um, I was looking him up and stuff, and I saw his video, and I asked his wife, and she said, yeah, they're really good friends now. And I'm like, man, he pummeled him, but, you know. <laughs> just beat, the, just yeah. beat the sin right out of him. Beat him and, and, and prayed for him and told him all of his shortcomings. But, yeah, I mean, to, to each his own, that's uh, – I mean, I guess, if, I guess if you survive, like, a cocaine overdose, you're not afraid of anything. You'll fight, you'll fight somebody. Like, I've, I almost died. I'm good. I got Jesus now. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, even with Nikki Six, he had to be revived from life, so he's probably not scared of COVID or anything else. (laughs) No, no. When you when you crossed over that edge a little bit, like you're probably okay. So, (laughs) so um, I was gonna I was gonna ask you. um, I I saw you know we were talking about audio quality and podcasts and everything, and and you do you're a wrestling enthusiast. You still doing that pod because. I was a heavy lover of wrestling. I just can't get into the watching it with TV screens behind it now, but uh, I'm speaking yeah, it, if you're into it, that. It looks like the Hunger Games. Um, <laughs> it, it's it's so creepy. It's like I get it's better than no fans, I guess. But I'm just like you're looking at the at the backdrop, and you're like some of these guys aren't even watching the screen. Like they're just 
They're in their room. I don't know what they're looking at, but they're there. Um, I I haven't watched a ton of WWE lately, probably because of that. Just because I'm like, that's that's too weird. Uh, yeah, AEW, the new show's been um that that came out about a little maybe two years ago now. Uh, mm-hmm. on TNT. Uh, that's the one we uh we focus on. Me and my buddy Jeremy Nunez. We have a podcast called Dynamite Drop In, and we watch the show one night. The next morning, we do our podcast. We review it, uh, joke around with it. I probably make fun of it too. Like if, if you hear me talk on the podcast, you're probably going like, "Is this guy a fan?" Because he sounds like he hates everything. So, <laughs> like, I yeah, I try my best to make jokes with it. Um, yeah, so I hope I hope it comes off as that. Like, and I say I'm a wrestling fan, but when when you get into that, as you probably know. If you if you go to like a live show or if you talk to people like on like the internet or some sort of group message board, you're going, Oh crap, I'm not a fan at all. These guys these guys live for this. They know they know details I never even thought about. Like you'll criticize a storyline and then you'll get a comment and the reply, you're like, Well, it's actually connected to this storyline they did in Japan and you're like, Okay, five of you know that. The rest of the world that watches it on TNT, we're not gonna know that. Like <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's so I say I'm a fan, but I'm going. I don't know. Maybe I'm a fan. Maybe those guys are aficionados. Maybe that's the right term. But that's a fun podcast. We we have a good time with it. Yeah, we have a um, we have a guy. He's actually he's a uh, a youth minister that comes into my Planet Fitness, and um, he knows like who wrestled in the Minnesota territory in 1978. And oh, the, wow. You know, he's, he's that guy. It's the same way. Like when I feel like, you know, I'm enjoying something, he'll be like, Oh, well his dad uh, was bruiser Brody. And you know, he got stabbed in Mexico for doing this and doing that. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. oh man. Have you, um, have you, are you familiar with that story? Bruiser Brody? Um, after he told me about it, I, I watched, um, dark side of the ring. I went yeah. and got of all those. Dude, that show is so good. Yeah, it's it's oh, insane. What, yeah, what you all, don't, some of those things. Yeah, no, you don't have to be a wrestling fan to to enjoy that show too, which is cool. Yeah, um, do you, uh, of course you might not experience it in Murfreesboro, but we have um, two wrestlers that have uh, you know graced us with our presence here in Columbia. One of them I actually fangirled and screamed at when I saw him across the room. Uh, James Storm. Yeah, cow, cowboy. Yeah, he, he, he came in and visited. And then we had uh, from the 90s, he was on, um, I believe it was Tough Enough or whatever that show was called. He, he oh. was second place or third. Yeah. Uh, Dan Rodman, do you remember him? Big dude. He, he, he wasn't good with the mic. He, he had a very nice physique, but the mic is what I think kind of killed him. Okay, that I'm not. It depends on what season. I was really into the first uh, three or four seasons of that. So, yeah. dang, that's really cool. Um. <laughs> But yeah, James Storm, that dude. Yeah, I've, I've, he was on your podcast. No, no, he he came into Planet Fitness. So oh, I okay. Got, I, was... I haven't got him on the pod yet. I haven't been very successful with with many wrestlers on on the pod. I, I used to write for a Christian uh, entertainment magazine. Got oh, Mick cool. Foley, Jake the Snake, uh, Nikita Kilo, uh, Nikita Koloff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Koloff from WCW or NWA yeah. depends on. Yeah, that's dang, that's awesome, dude. Yeah, but here with the pod, it's like I hadn't hadn't been very successful. I've reached out to Rikishi a few days ago because he's supposed to be coming to Nashville to do something. But other than that, kind of kind of a misfire with all those guys for this little podcast of mine. So that's all right, man. But yeah, that's cool that yeah, that's cool. You met James Storm, so 
Yeah, like I said, I did a little finger. I was like, score! And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm 38 years old. Uh, this guy's going to be like, what is going on here? Right, right. No, that's cool. I mean, for that guy to like, you know, because he, he didn't sign with WWE, he, he's he's fine without him. And I'm sure he appreciates getting recognized. Like, he's just like, I didn't, you know, I didn't have to go to WWE to get to this level of, of, uh, of notoriety, of fame. So Yeah. Just pretty cool guy, you know, local guy. I think he lives in Spring Hill. I think he did. Um, uh, uh, what's TN, or TNT? Uh, WWE's um, NXT. Like, uh, NXT. I think he did like two shows with NXT, and was like, "No, nah, it's not for me." Yep, yep. They they had an agreement. They were just like, maybe not now. And so and James has been fine, fine without him. I I saw him at a it was a at a fairground show. Um, I think he was the main event, and they took the match into the crowd, and he took my buddy Ryan's uh, drink, his fountain drink, and you know he was like, "Oh, what's in this whiskey?" And then just like slammed his opponent's uh, head with the with the with the drink, and so nice. yeah, yeah, Ryan Ryan had to go get another another beverage, and so he got yeah. he he got the wrestler used my drink discount, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, yeah, a drink at, at any at any event is usually between twelve and fifteen bucks. So right, right. <laughs> but <laughs> um, talking on AEW, I think the awards are tonight. Are you partaking in that, or is it is it coming soon, or, or whatever? Awards. Um, gosh, you know, for an AEW podcaster, I should know more about that. I, was, I saw something about it on Instagram, but I didn't know if it was just an internet type thing or if they're actually doing. A presentation on the show, like are they do? Are, they're doing matches tonight, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. As far as okay. far as I know, and I saw okay. the same thing. Probably you saw on Instagram, and I was just wondering, like, is this their slammies or, or, or what are they doing? Yeah, I know. I, I you know, I, me and Jeremy both uh, with AEW, we're both very much like we're fans. We we like who's on the show, but there's often times where we're like, okay, did they need to be funny right here? Do they need to be funny right here? So I have a feeling. Based on what I've seen of AEW, I have a feeling they're just going to crank the comedy up on on the award show. Um, I have a feeling it's just going to be national lampoons, like pies, pies of the faces, uh, pants dropping. Someone's going to get someone's going to shank like they did like in middle school. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like there's going to be a lot of a lot of shenanigans at this. Uh, the award show if they're doing that so yeah because if it's the inaugural i mean it's not like they have a hall of fame ready or anything right now no so I, I, so, I think i agree with you yeah there's gonna be some a lot of a lot of antics if you will so yeah. we'll get a nice front row seat speaking yeah. of and like i said i have add so i'm gonna bounce back a little bit and i apologize in advance no you're fine but have you ever you know, i know because i stopped watching wwe you know after all the uh, tv sets and everything but I did watch a couple of YouTube videos where like people would hold up Chris Benoit stuff and they would cut their TVs, their, their little uh, pods off. Did you ever see any of those? No, but I'm not surprised. Um, yeah, I'm not surprised about that at all. Like that's why would you even do that? I mean, I loved Chris Benoit, but man, why would yeah. you? Maybe just just to say you got kicked off the the well, show. I, like I, I was told by a source and uh, like I said it was a gentleman that comes to the gym that uh, if you do that your your WWE um rights to the the network the you know the pay uh, thing online and everything is revoked. Like you can't you can't participate on the game on live sequences or anything. Like you're done if you do something like that. Wow. 
Wow. So that's, that's just beyond. I get it. Yeah. yeah. I, that's, just that's, a, that's a shame too. Like, yeah, yeah I hate what, I mean, what he did was pretty severe, but like, if you know sure. going into it, it's like, why, why do it? Just let that, yeah. let that lie. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. That's not cool to even like come up with that idea. So it's, uh, that's an unprecedented event. And I don't know. It's cool that you can still watch his matches on YouTube and whatever. Enjoy those. But yeah, when you start promoting his name on that show like that, that's, yeah, that's a little that's a little iffy. So yeah, that's when you like, get you know what's gonna happen. You know what they're gonna do to you. Like why do that? Yeah, you're barred. You're done. <laughs> <laughs> I could just see, I could just hear like Mr. McMahon getting a hold of you. I'm gonna murder you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what up? Well, let's let's get to some more. I know we're talking about wrestling. Like I said, I could talk about that for hours, but I wanted to dig into your comedy because I really enjoy your stylings and everything. Oh, thanks. Uh, first and first and foremost, are you from Nashville? I saw you had like a South Carolina. Uh, not Gamecocks, uh, Clemson. Yeah, the yeah. Clemson chair. You were jamming out on the guitar. Right, is this your? Are you from here originally, or what's your story with that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, was born in Chattanooga, but my parents met met at a college in Cleveland, and then we lived Cleveland, Tennessee, yeah. and uh, then they moved to South Carolina, where my dad's from. So that's the Clemson connection. My dad's a huge, huge Clemson fan. Um, when I was 10, we moved back to Tennessee, moved to Murfreesboro. So we've been, you know, I've been in Murfreesboro since 95, but there were a few years I was living in Nashville with the, with the job I had and lived in San Diego briefly after college. And then New York for, for a little bit, like about a month doesn't really count as like living there. I just stayed there for a month, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, uh, yeah, pretty much just grew up right outside of, uh, Right outside of Nashville since uh, 95. That's cool. Like, yeah, I'm always proud of my, my local guys doing their thing, uh, uh, you know, and try to represent the best I can. Uh, what? How did, how, how did you choose comedy? When did you know comedy was the thing for you? Obviously, you've got a prestigious roster. You've done the dry bar. You've done uh, Huckabee, which is – I've had the Governor Huckabee on the podcast, believe it or not. <laughs> Whoa. He, isn't he the nicest, greatest person ever? He he is, and I was like, uh, you know, is this phone going to explode? I, like after I get done talking to him, or like, What's gonna happen? but yeah, very, very accommodating. Uh, I, you know, uh, Brandon sat in with me, and it was just, it was a blast to talk to him. We actually talked about playing bass and music too. Just yeah, really, he's really well-rounded him. Yeah, real, yeah. I man, I, I wanted to vote for that guy in '08. I was so mad when he didn't. That's this is as political as I'll get. But he, uh, <laughs> when they picked McCain, I'm like. You got Huckabee, who, like, even on TV, you can tell this is a genuine guy. You can't say a bad thing about him. You're not going to put him in the running. Like, awesome. he can handle tough questions with uh, with grace. Um, he can handle criticism with grace. He's incredibly presidential. Um, you can't say about, and he plays bass. And I was, I grew up playing bass too. I was like, I love this dude. This guy's great. Um, but the, the, sorry, that was another tangent on my part. Um, the comedy thing. I I don't know. I just always loved it growing up. I loved watching stand up on TV. I was obsessed with always trying to make people laugh. I wasn't always successful doing that, but I didn't it didn't stop me from trying to make people laugh. Um yeah. aspiring class clown. People say, Oh, it's the class clown. I'm like, No, I wasn't a good class clown. I, I but I tried. So I was <laughs> a lot of effort. Um but yeah, I just always and I thought it was cool. I just didn't know how you get started. And I found a comedy class, uh, Skelton, 
Brandon Skelton also took that class uh, at one point. Uh, Rick Roberts teaches it called yeah, School of Laughs. Oh, you took it too. Very cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you, uh, yeah, it's a great class if you think about doing stand up. It tells you how to write a stand up comedy joke. I mean, you want to make it your own, but he gives you the the skeleton and the 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 internal parts. Like you know, it's like a the frame of a vehicle. Of here's stand up comedy. Here's what it takes. Now go do your own thing. And he does a great job at breaking it down. So I took that, started doing open mics, and then I wanted to see if my stuff would work on the road. And so. I was just emailing any and everybody to try to get some stage time, even like a guest set. I would I would drive to Chicago for five minutes if I had to. It was uh, probably not the smartest approach, but it was. Uh, I don't know. I think I think that prepped me for you know the road work that I do. So I I would drive just about anywhere I could for some stage time that wasn't an open mic in Nashville, and that was probably the unorthodox way to do it, but. It's just what it did. And later on, those gigs started, the guest spots started turning into hosting that, that paid a little bit. And then, yeah, you just kind of built it. And sometimes I still host. It's not, I'm not, you know, headlining everywhere I go um, or even middling. So but that's just where it started. I just uh, was willing to kind of go any and everywhere and, I was like, oh, cool. I got 10 minutes on this show. Great. I can, um, this new joke I was writing, I could try that out in the middle maybe. So just kind of, just kind of built it that way. Um, just lots of emails, still lots of emails and lots of, yeah, trying to drive anywhere I can to tell jokes. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and, you know, if anybody's ever watched I Am Comic or read the book, uh, any of that kind of stuff, I mean, that's that's exactly what it takes. You have to be willing to go the distance because, you know, these promoters and these uh, club owners and everything, they see that dedication. And it it is. It's truly when you're getting off the ground, you, you got to have a, a crucial plan just like that. It's got to be all or none. Like yeah, it's like what do you move? Yeah, so yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, absolutely. What were you saying? I was just saying, like, I had the privilege of interviewing a few people like uh, uh, Alberstadt, Keith Alberstadt, or Nate Margotzi, who you yeah. know, moved to New York. And, of course, they were established prior, but some of these other cats, it's like, well, you can literally, if you play it right and hit the right subway stations, you can do, like, nine or ten open mics in a yeah. night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which and which is funny because I tried that approach when I was in New York because I went, I went to live there for a month to see what that was like. It's harder than you think to go, oh, I can hit all these open mics in one night. Man, because almost all of them were bucket spot open mics, which means you put your name in a bucket, and they might draw your name at the beginning or end. And what I start, what I started to see was, oh, no, no, if they don't know you, you're at the end. It's not, this isn't by chance. This is, uh, if they don't know you, you're going to be the last one most likely. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's what I experienced. And so I was, I was going to do like five in one night, and then I ended up doing one. One night, so I was like, uh -huh. I was like well, "Okay, what am I missing? What what did I do?" Um, yeah, so I I, did, I wasn't do if there's a way to do it, I wasn't doing that right in New York. Um, Keith actually is the one that told me about working the road. He's like, "You could move to a city, but I don't know, work, you know, travel, work the road. Make sure your stuff works as, make sure your comedy can work in as many places as uh, as possible." So you know, because yeah. yeah, a lot of a lot of New York guys can just talk about you know and talk about new york and uh do new york be a new york comic and 
it may not always translate when you're out in Kansas. So <laughs> exactly. Some people can't relate to it out there in those flyover states. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, so there's never, yeah, not a guaranteed way because people will ask you if you're going to move to L.A. and New York. And it's like, at one point, I, I, I understand that was crucial, but nowadays with social media, um, it's not as crucial. Like, uh, I know Dusty Slay, he didn't do New York. He, oh, he didn't move there. He's done comedy in New York, obviously, with The Tonight Show, but he just worked the road, got into the right spots, got into the right festivals, and they everyone saw what, we all saw when he when he started when he was doing his comedy in Nashville. Um, not that he started his comedy in Nashville, but he started getting a lot of steam when he moved to Nashville. But he just worked the road and he got in the right spots, and people saw the brilliance and uniqueness of of Dusty Slay, and it's 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 gone well for him. Yeah, he was one of the first ones. See, uh, I did comedy sparingly. Uh, in my 20s and and I had to stop because I I have kids and at the time which is I'm I'm planning on getting back into it at 40 I'll be child support free if you get my drift but uh, (laughs) I'm sorry my early in my early 20s you know I I the the, what what the the end for me was like going to the comedy catch in Chattanooga you know spending $75 to make 25 I was like I can't do do this right now but my my you know you brought up dusty my my same mentality was like oh man i have to get to los angeles or new york two places i really wouldn't fit in nor do i really want to live right but then he told me you know uh, in conversation that you know i i haven't moved to either of those places and, you know like you said you just have to go out and hit them though you have to have the time and the the funds and the willingness to go and, and get the exposure yep absolutely it's a, what it's the whole what are you willing to do um yep. how far are you willing to go how- it's, and it's <laughs> I was saying it's worked dividends for you because, like, you're touring with heavy hitters like Jeff Allen, which is another super nice, funny guy, and he's keeping you on the road. But would you say right now you kind of like at a standstill because of the pandemic and everything, just like everybody else? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I went full time in 2020 just because I had enough bookings till like at least from January to June, and I'm going, uh-huh. oh, I can do this. I'm gonna quit my job. See you guys. Yeah. Then March happened, and everybody just freaked out, and I'm like, oh, just kidding. Um, you know, so it, it hit me, but I was, I was emailing my old boss and all that stuff before I realized it. Um, but it, you know, it worked itself out. I didn't, you know, didn't starve, didn't, didn't die. So yeah, it's always a plus, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, again, gigs are coming in, but it's not, you know, it's not every weekend it's, uh, spaced out. So you gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do. And yeah, Jeff Allen was uh he was great to work with. Um like we've done some stuff together but never like a full week and that was at the comedy catch this last week which you just mentioned and uh-huh. that was fun. I he brings a great crowd. I had fun at every show. I sold the rest of my uh my merch which was cool. But yeah, he was um he's he is great to hang out with. He is yeah, he's one of my favorite people for sure. Yeah, he's you know who I think, and and I think you'd fit in with her pretty well. And to me, I think pound for pound, she's one of the most hilarious people on earth. Is Leanne Morgan, dude? Yeah, I yeah, she's great. Um, yeah, been doing it a long time. Yeah, it shows. She shows she's polished. But uh, back to your comedy and everything. And I was going to ask you this because you you sound pretty level headed, which is interesting for a comedian. But um, 
I know that when you're on stage, you know, because being a musician and, and doing stand-up, it's one thing to play with a band and get applause, but when you tell a joke and you're the only person up there and it, it hits at the right time and everybody's laughing, that's like no bigger adrenaline rush, endorphin release. You've got to be itching to get back. I mean, especially somebody with a solid set like yours. Don't, don't you yearn for it? Do you, do you still get that part where you're like, you hanker for that, like that audience participation and just feeling that life pulse of laughter and, and, and everything? Yeah, it's tough to beat, and uh, you you want it, You definitely want a healthy perspective on that. I think um, Seinfeld touches on it. Michael Junior. touches on it about not getting wrapped up in how funny you are, as in like, oh man, that got a huge pop. That crowd really liked my joke. I am funny because the next gig you get, the crowd's not laughing. You go into depression if you're not careful. Like, oh, I suck. I'm not funny. I'm horrible. So. <laughs> Um, you, you've done comedy, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, so I think as long as you react to it the right way, that's just my personal take on it or what I've learned from Seinfeld and Michael Jr. Just, uh, making sure, you know, you're doing your job. Like if a crowd's reacting really well going, okay, this is great. It's, it's, it's confirmation of going, oh, I can do this. I can do stand up. I can put half thoughts in my head, write them on paper, tell them into a mic. People laugh. This is good. Okay, this is assuring that I can, I can, I can do this a little bit. A little this bit. is good. Um, and I think you got to re- know also that okay, these guys are having a good time. They they're enjoying themselves. I'm doing my I'm doing my job. I'm providing a service. I'm doing my calling. I am, you know, I, I came here to change their mood a little bit, and their moods changed, changed. So. I think you just got to be selfless a little about it. Um, yeah, it's 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 very rewarding to get those reactions, and yeah, if you're not careful, you can live off those, and you shouldn't live off those. You should use that for confirmation, fuel. It's, it's you know, it's a paycheck. It's like, oh, I I put in the work. This is this is the reaction. I got the right, I got the right return for my for my labor I put into this. Yeah. Very well said. See, so articulate. You just, you just took it and made it even bigger of an art form. That's like, oh. <laughs> I like that. I, I, I hope, I hope some of that made sense because as I'm talking, I'm like, what am I saying right now? Well, it, it makes perfect sense because you know, being being a greenhorn like I was, mine was just, I want validation. I want people to love me. I want to me write too. this joke now. And for them to bounce it back at me, but but like you said, it's a bigger story. I mean, there is a business aspect, and, and you it, even though it's joking, you do have to take it seriously. You can't just it, it's never a it's never a well. This is going to get the same reaction as this one, you know. Yeah. Like you said, talking about Seinfeld, he's like, you've got about maybe a minute and a half to two minutes to get that applause, and then after that, it's 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 open game. So yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm I'm the same way. When I first started, like I was not. I thought I was good when I first started. Cause I took a class. I'm like, I'm educated in comedy. I know what I'm doing. That's how I, that's, yeah. it was awful. And I, I thought I was good when I wasn't. And I would get mad when people didn't laugh at my jokes at open mic. I would not react well. I was, I was, I was a brat and it showed. And so I had to get my butt kicked a lot. And I don't know. I, yeah. I had to, had to and I think, I think, because I was so bad, it left such an impression that some people just won't, they just, it's hard to not associate with how they first saw you, especially if you're 
horrible. So even if you improve, no matter how much you improve, it's it's going to be hard for some people to go to look past that first impression. Um, yeah, I've talked to other comics; they they have the same issue. Like, yeah, this guy, my mentor, always hasn't seen me beyond a host or anything like that. Um, but it was on me, a hundred percent. I I had a horrible attitude um, when I first started. So, so yeah, if, if anybody's listening, if you're getting into comedy, have a better attitude than I had. Just um, write your jokes. Don't take it personal. If people don't laugh, uh, the, the right reactions will come. And if you're good enough at something, people will notice. If you do something good enough that no one else is doing, it it, it, it will come, the game will come to you. So, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. have a better attitude than me. <laughs> Perfect. The, it's like those who can do and those who can't just podcast about it like me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got, either way, you're not, you know, got a, when you're got 40, you come, you're, you're coming back like Foreman and, you know, in turn 40. So, Well, I've got enough material to last. I, I think I'm pretty good. I just have to get it spruced up and go back to my, you know, my notes from, from comedy school and, and Rick Roberts and all that. But I think I'll be all right. I just... I'll be more financially stable. Like if I take a trip to, you know, somewhere beyond the, you know, the walls of Tennessee, I'd be like, well, is that $28 that my daughter might need for something or, you know, whatever. So, right. No, you're doing the right thing. I mean, I was just, I was just fortunate enough when I started hitting the road and I just got, I just moved back from Nashville. Nashville was crazy expensive. I wasn't paying off any of my debt. My parents let my parents let me move back to the house. They were super cool about it, and that's when the road gigs started to come in a little by little. And I was able to hit the road because I didn't have any. I wasn't married, so I didn't have any, you know, crazy expenses to worry about outside of paying off my student loans and my car. And that's all paid off now. But I, I didn't have to worry about a ton. So I mean, it's easy for me to go, oh, just go do it. But not everybody had my has my situation and. A lot. Most people are married with kids, so I, I get it. It's um, it's one thing to say how how much are you willing to do it, but if it's at the expense of not being able to pay for your daughter's whatever, like yeah, you're you're doing the right thing by being responsible and taking care of your family. That's that's the most important thing. I mean, yeah, because you know, in hindsight and everything the beauty of comedy, like you can always get back into it. It's not like if you and I wanted to start a rock band, you know, the teens are not going to accept us. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they're not going to be like, okay, let's put them on the warp tour. These guys, you know, have the chops, but in comedy, like if you're funny, you're funny. If you're not, you're yeah. not, there's no age discrimination or anything. Yep. And it's easier to get, you know, to have your content seen by people and, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, there's no, there's no, there's no cap on it. Yeah, sky's the limit now. Well, hey, look, I know uh, I'm crunching you for time. I, I didn't realize you, you know, you work at night, and I apologize. I hear that guitar going. That's cool. Oh, let's, sorry, let's yeah, I'm ADD. No, no, yeah. I'm the same way. I'm tapping on stuff. But uh, let's uh, tell tell everybody. Let's promote this uh, comedy show you have on Spotify. I thought that was pretty awesome. Let everybody know about it. Oh yeah, so I mean, I you know right before Dry Bar, I did a little live show to prep for Dry Bar, and I decided just to record it had a buddy record it and I was like, okay, I've got this recording. Why not see if I can get it on Spotify? And so, yeah, it's, it's a uh, Lee Harden. I think I'm the only Lee Harden, you know, on Spotify and it's live at the Murfreesboro little theater. And it's just a little 25 minute 
live recording. I feel weird calling it an album. Um, an EP. EP, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, little EP, the punk yeah. rock, get in me there. Um, yeah, it's just uh, live at the Murfreesboro Little Theater. Um, the more you listen to it, you know, I'm, I might, instead of making $30 a month, I might make $31 a month nice. from you. So, cool. uh, yeah. So, so please, um, stream on, listen, uh, follow the Spotify accounts. Um, yeah, that, that helps me a ton when, um, yeah, when people listen. So yeah, live at the Murfreesboro little theater. Cool beans. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to get involved in it. Like I said, I'm having that surgery in a few days. I, I'm going to have a lot of idle time to enjoy some stuff. Wow, okay. uh, I know I said that was the last thing, but I did want to bring up you, you brought to my attention that our new president, and which is he did do it. I mean, you know, signed into where males can f- play female sports and like yeah. all that crazy stuff. Uh, what I was going to ask about you, first of all, thanks for bringing that to my attention. It was funny. And then I read it and I was like, oh, this is real. But um, do you ever think, because they, they got a lot of stuff right now promoting women coaching in the NFL and refereeing. Do you ever think a woman will line down in a professional football game? I'm not talking about kicking or punting like D-line or tight end or anything like that do you ever think we'll see women actually playing with the men in the nfl you know uh, who knows i if you're if they're if someone is they want the best people in the nfl if, if i don't think they care where they came from if there's a if, if there was a woman like china from the wwe who <laughs> comes out of nowhere and is strong and is dominating I don't think they're going to care if, if, if a woman pops up and is like just crushing it, then they're going to put her out, put her out. Like if she can hang, and, you know, her other, her, her other guy she's playing with, like on the other, on the other line and make an impact, then no reason not to have them. If, if that's, that's, there's guys that can't even make the, I mean, every guy, there's almost every guy can't make the NFL. I think one, what's the percent, 1% of College players yeah. might get a shot at the NFL. So, yeah, I don't even know if it's a if, if it's a women versus men thing. It's like there's dudes that can't even do this. Like most dudes. So yeah, yeah. But if yeah, if there's a woman that comes around, that's you never know. Like we have we have an amazing God who creates people with that are just physical specimens and have gifts that are unexplainable at times. And there's no reason. Woman, may, yeah, and there's a reason a woman athlete might come around and just dominate. If she's good enough, if she's outbeating everybody else, then sure, that could totally happen. So it's more about the talent itself. It's, yeah, I've never looked at it as a this person can't do this or this person can't do this. It's bottom line, it's a business. That's they they need the best person for that job. That's that's what's great about sports. It's honestly outside of Vanderbilt this year with college football, like it's <laughs> supposed to be like the best person gets on the field, like the most talented ready person gets on the field. So yeah. 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 I agree. How was yeah, that? I, how was that politician answer for you? That was, was, that was very clear cut. I liked it. I just, uh, I'm just <laughs> thinking, you know, it just made me think with your, with your comment and then reading everything. I, I just think it's going to be a matter of time. It's going to be knocking on the door. I just think it's going to be interesting to see. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it'll, I'm sure the viewer, viewership rating would, uh, would go up on that. So yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. You got icebox from the little giants, just, you know, icebox. Yeah. The annexation of Puerto Rico. Yeah. Yeah. Just <laughs> icebox Becky, just crushing it. Mm-hmm.
this Americana singer-songwriter is the best thing out since sliced bread. Take my word for it. Give it a listen. Morgan Wade. She's got an album called Reckless that is coming out in March. But in the meantime, go to her social meds, uh, check out her videos on YouTube, and enjoy this interview. A great human being. Really enjoy talking with her. That's coming up right now on the Uncharted Podcast. I read, and I had to ask you this first, but a person who thought, like, you thought your songs are only meant for yourself, uh, this album's going to gain a lot of positive attention. I mean, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I, uh, it's been, it's been a little overwhelming, you know, (laughs) I, 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 I mean, I didn't expect, uh, this by any means, and then, you know, the, like, the Rolling Stones shout out and everything the other day, so, it's been it's been it's been an interesting interesting time. I'm just trying to like take it all in and like I'm super honored that so many people are enjoying this and I was like, wow, but you know, the record's not even out yet and people are already you know, this excited. So I'm 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 feeling pretty blessed. Yeah, uh, I just I just it was amazed me that you almost kept this gift to yourself because I'm gonna tell you, I'm a thirty eight year old, six foot tall 200 plus southern boy and when i listened to the other side i know it's not the single but i just had to mention this i stopped what i was doing and i started crying i'm about to start crying right now um one of the most uh beautiful songs i've heard in a long time Woo, got me choked uh sorry but uh, <laughs> you get yeah i felt your heart and soul in it i just want to know the story behind it yeah uh you know i i wrote that song um my my boyfriend and i've been together for eight years now and you know, he's traveled on the road with me, and it's just, it was kind of like one of those things, just looking back, like, he he's known the other the other side of me, uh, you know, from the beginning, and has seen all sides of me, and they haven't been great sides that he's seen, and he, you know, he knew me before I was sober, and he knows me now as I've changed and grown as a human, and it's just like, I've done a lot of things, you know, in the last few years, and it's just like, uh, we, 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 you know, we, and we've been traveling everywhere and we've been gone all the time. And it's just like, you know, we've never really been alone though, because we, you know, we've had each other and it was just, I was sitting in a hotel room and I, I wrote that one. And that one was one of the last songs to get added to the record. So wow. it was, yeah, it was personal. <clears throat> well, let me tell you, that sounded like a big old sissy. That's it's one of the most beautiful songs I've ever heard in my life. And I really appreciate you sharing it. Yeah, thank you, man. I appreciate yeah. it. It just it did. Uh, I <clears throat> being a being a father now. <clears throat> excuse me, let me get that cough out. Being a dad and you know just uh, li- having love, uh, lost love, and 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 everything. It just it, it hit me right between the uh, the rib cage there, and I just uh, I had to tell you. Um, but thank you. I know, like I said, I know it's not the single, but I had to get that off my chest. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure, man. Now, now we can talk about that single, which is fantastic, and boy, does it go with the times with "Don't Cry." I really like that. Yeah, yeah. As far as like, as far as like the YouTube, I just I like the YouTube video and everything. As far as I know, that's the first release, but it, it's everything everybody's going through right now. That's a great song. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was. I mean, I feel like this is the perfect time to to put that one out with the pandemic and everything going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what up? How is that going to affect you as far as like touring and everything, supporting this album, the pandemic and everything? Or what are you going to do uh, once it's released and everybody's going to want to see you perform it live? 
Yeah, you know, things are kind of up in the air right now. You know, I know we're uh, my agents are working on bookings and stuff, um, but we're just kind of at that standpoint. I guess everybody's at it's just like we just don't know, you know, what's going to happen. So, I mean, we're planning shows and hoping and praying that you know we'll be able to to do some touring. Um, but if if we're allowed to tour. I will be touring. Trust me, I'd, <laughs> yeah. I'd love to be everywhere right now. Um, but you know, I guess it just it depends. You know, every day is a new strain of COVID. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know that it's just. I guess I'm like every other band right now. You know, just trying to play it by ear and 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 hope for the best. Yeah, it's a it's a scary world. I mean, that is a pretty generic question, but with an album like this, once everybody gets to listen to it, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna want to hear it all live. And I was just wondering, like, uh, what are you doing as far as that? Because people, you know, they're kind of opening as far as here in Middle Tennessee. I, they just said something like Nashville's gonna open up a little bit more, but uh, I didn't know, you know, as far as anywhere else. Hopefully, they'll all catch on. But because I'm pretty sure people be willing to, you know, mask themselves up pretty well in distance uh, just to go hear some music again. I know everybody's craving it. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I, I we're, you know, planning some socially distant shows and adhering to the guidelines as, you know, those come out. And so hopefully, you know, I'll be able to do, you know, some stuff, uh, definitely miss it. And, you know, eventually, you know, I, I feel sure that we will get back to a world where we can have concerts again. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully yeah, like, by, by, by 2026, I think we're looking yeah. pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's probably, yeah, by then it will be so unprepared. <laughs> Somebody will have to tell us what we have to do. We won't know how to react. <laughs> uh, I learned and I saw, you know, I was creeping on your Instagram. You had a Saddler from Jason Isbell's 400 unit produce this album. And it's such a perfect, like, harmonious collaboration. It's almost like uh, you guys, I mean, were you guys, pals beforehand or how did this come to be because it's, it's such a smooth album as far as the, the compilation of how everything's placed and put together yeah no uh actually i i played a show and uh sadler's guitar tech um caught the set and he ended up you know giving a cd to sadler and, and sadler was you know super into my music and so he we ended up connecting through email and eventually uh we did a skype and and wrote and then i went out to nashville and um we sat down and like wrote together and got to know each other a little better and then we just started throwing songs back and forth and then that was like over two years ago and you know he we started working on the record you know a year ago and then you know now here we are so it was all really organic um we became friends through you know basically making this record uh, we just mesh really well and we work really well together and Savage is a great guy and super talented so I'm just you know really honored to be able to work with him yeah because like uh, Reckless it's not just an album it's like an adventure it's almost like all the songs are, are, are like strategically placed uh, to make it feel that way it just it's, it's like a perfect puzzle all coming together you get one song and then it just kind of goes perfectly into the other and you just can't get enough and then next thing you know you're done and you're starting at the top again <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, and um, are, is your home base still Virginia? Or are you going to move here to to Middle Tennessee? Uh, it, it's still I'm still in Virginia right now. Um, just you know, with the the pandemic and everything going on, there's also no real big reason for me to move 
yeah. anywhere right now. And so <laughs> I'm I'm just I'm like I'm just gonna stay put where I'm at. It's a lot cheaper to live here oh, than it is Nashville. Absolutely. And so uh, I'm like, you know, until I have to be I love Nashville, don't get me wrong. I, yeah, I love yeah, coming yeah. out there. But I I also like saving a little bit of money right now too. So <laughs> as of yeah. now I'm staying put. But I, I you know, eventually yeah, I'll I'll definitely move out to Nashville. Yeah, because, like, right now, one-bedroom flat up in the Gulch is, like, a quarter of a million dollars a week, I think. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna stay where I'm at right here, you know. Uh, don't have as yeah. many restaurants and stuff, but, you know, I've, that's what I put when I go out to Nashville. I spend all my money on food. There's it. too much good food out there, man. Yeah. Too much good everything, really. That's the problem. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, you know, being from you know Virginia, uh, me, you know, I'm I'm a fan of bluegrass, and, and you know, of course, uh, Virginia is known for it. You know, the Blue Ridge Mountains and a lot of festivals. But your sound, like, how did you hone your sound? Like, what did you get your inspiration from? Like, what 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 grooves were you going to to get to where you are now? Yeah, you know, I I grew up, you know, listening to bluegrass music. Obviously, uh, Floyd County, they have the Floyd Country Store, and on Friday nights, you know, they have the the bluegrass music pouring out on the streets and people just get together and play and so you know I grew up listening to that and uh but I, I was always into Elvis as a kid like, yeah. I was just like a huge Elvis fan and so you know it's been it's been a lot of mix of growing up listening to pop and country and bluegrass and stuff like that and I you know it took me a long time to kind of figure out what music do I really like and then once I discovered Americana music and, and bands like, you know, Jason Isbell and Brandy Carlisle, mm-hmm. stuff like that. I, that's when I really started to realize, okay, there is a mixture of all this music put into one thing, if you if you really want. And, you know, Americana is the great genre of you can do whatever you want to. Yeah. You know, they don't, they don't really, they're not putting you in a box. And so that's that's the biggest thing for me is just not, not putting myself in any box, just doing what I want to do and, um, which you know is what we've we've done with this record. Yeah, that's the best way to be. Just just go for it, and people will gravitate to it. I couldn't agree with you more. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I wanted to talk about you know your your songwriting approach. I I know you pen a few by yourself, but do you do like the method like a lot of I know you're not in Nashville, but like the ones I experienced, you know, they all write with different people all the time, or do you just pick a certain few people that you like to collaborate with? Um. You know, for the record here, we just kept it with Sadler and and Paul and I. But you know, I'm working with Universal now, and they've been connecting me with different people. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they they put me with some really cool people, and I'm I'm open to writing with a bunch of different folks. You know, and and if it if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. You know, you don't always click with everybody you write with. Um, yeah, so true. And and so I, you know, I'm pretty I'm pretty open to that um, because I've met a lot of cool people and, and wrote wrote some good stuff recently. So it, it just kind of you know it depends if it if we're a good match, we're a good match. If not, we're not. And you you move on. It's kind of like speed dating. So that's it. That's exactly <laughs> it. It's just like it's like uh, like Tinder for songwriters. I'm <laughs> yes, yes, uh, absolutely. Uh, one more question, like I said, and and then I'll let you go. I appreciate your time. I also learned that you formed your band, the Step Brothers, via Craigslist. Um, when you were finding <laughs> Make, uh, did you find any interesting or strange encounters during that search? Because that must have been quite an adventure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I man, I tell you what, that the when I 
found those guys. It was, uh, I pulled up to this house from the not greatest part of town in, in Roanoke. It was, it was, it was pretty sketch. And I pulled up with, with two, two friends of mine from college, two small females. Um, oh, boy. Know, no, no taller than me, and you know we we just go in this this house, and then downstairs into this basement was a bunch of you know men down there playing. Yeah. Thank God they were okay. You know, my mother, I'm sure every time she hears this, she's like, "What the hell?" But oh, uh, sure. yeah, uh, not the not the best way for a 19 year old female to form a band, but you know that's it's what I did, and you know it. it Thank, like I said, thank God it it worked. Um, but yeah, it was it was still weird. I look back and I'm like, oh gosh, like, yeah. if, if I if I had a child and I would I would I would wring their neck for doing that. Um, sure. <laughs> but it's I, that's funny you bring that up because it's like there was actually a couple other people that I met with off Craigslist, and that sounds so bad. But I do remember <laughs> now. I actually drove and and went to this one guy's house and, and played music with him and now i'm looking back i that totally left me until this moment how <laughs> stupid that was my gosh the things that we do that you oh. know we're we're lucky that that this is a you know this isn't like a true crime podcast right now about how i got <laughs> captured on craigslist because i yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, thank you for for bringing that memory back to me. That is well, great. Well, it just it just <laughs> it was so interesting because you know Craigslist is known for you know obviously its sketchiness, and then here I read, and like I said, you uh you know you're kind of intimidating looking, but I bet you're you know you're kind of small, not to you know, but I was, oh no, you're you yeah I had no tattoos then. <laughs> and I was like, okay, you're on Craigslist, and you know it's just a leap of faith. <laughs> Yeah, I, I look back and I'm like, oh God, you know. And I think it's because I grew where I grew up was so small and so trusting that you know yeah. I was like, whatever, Craigslist, okay, you know. And then now I'm like, have you watched any news show ever? Like, yeah. So yeah. yeah. Well, luckily, <laughs> luckily the stars aligned. Uh, one more thing, I'll say. You, you remember? Okay, you know the band Capital Cities? They had that hit Safe and Sound. Yes. They met on Craigslist. That's the only other group I know. But you know, then again, they were two dudes. So. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I, well, hey, I mean, I, you know, I guess that could go sour too. But uh, yeah, you know, you truly never know. You know what you're I, I, I'm, I'm proud right now to hold the, the 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 crown of being the only female that's formed a band off Craigslist, and until well, somebody else claims it, I'm holding it. So. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, I'm sure there's more, but you're the only one that I that I was aware of, and I had to pick your brain on it. And that wraps up the first post-shoulder surgery podcast, Uncharted Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Belcher. Special thanks to my awesome guests, comedian Lee Harden and Morgan Wade. Also, most importantly, thank you, the listeners, for taking the time. If you know anybody you think would be a great guest, you want to ask me a question, hit me up joshbelcher at hotmail.com have a great week and remember i love you for you and where you're at in life take care and we'll see you down the road all right goodbye everybody